0: welcome to the all in your head podcast where we get all in your head we are a mental health podcast focused on anything and everything mental health we'll have special guests ranging from mental health experts mental health advocates and just everyday people with real struggles we will share laughs we will share cries but most importantly we will have real conversations about mental health so with that being said let's get all in your head woo We've been doing a series based on this spire performance and different guests in different areas. And just to talk about this spire performance from the bottom up and how this fits in, at the bottom level, we have physical health. Uh, so, caring for the body through proactive and responsive practices. The next step up is, is the environment engaged in healthy and stimulating spaces. And then we have security. Security is psychologically, physically, and financially secure. So we're going to be talking to a financial therapist today, Nate Astle, who's going to talk to us more about how to be financially healthy. And the interesting aspect of this conversation is it obviously fits into this dimension of security, but also the next step up is mental health. And obviously, I think mental health affects money, money affects mental health, it works both ways. And then the next dimension up is relationships, and I think money also has a very specific influence on relationships and relationships have an influence on money and so i think this conversation about money has some level of influence on the entire buyer performance so let's just get into who you are and and what you do and i didn't even know a financial therapist it existed until about a month ago i didn't even know what it was so who are you and what is financial therapy
1: yeah, so um, I'm Nate Astle. Uh, financial therapy, I mean, the big, broad definition is we're, we're trying to help people change the way they think, feel, and behave around money. The goal of financial therapy isn't like just to make more money. That isn't the point. The point is so that we can experience money differently. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think there's, you hit the nail right on the head, there's a systemic influence between our mental health, our relationship health, and our financial behaviors and experience. All of them affect each other. And um, the more that we can get to a point where money isn't just a math problem, because unfortunately, that's kind of how most of it's been taught, is that there's this objective truth to money. Um, but it's, it just isn't that
0: simple. And I think there's a lot of emotions involved with money as well. And Everyone has different experiences with money. And for me, my experience is growing up in poverty. And so I think I see, as many people did, and I think I see and many people see money as a stressful thing. And I've gotten to a point where I'm much more comfortable in my life financially. But if you were to ask me, what are some of the main things in your life that stress you out? It has been and may always be money. Mm -hmm. So help me. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Give me me some free advice. You know, I think a lot of people struggle with that. And I think what that leads to is a level of avoidance. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of intentional things you can do to have a good relationship with money. But if you get anxious anytime you think about money, or I know for me, I have every uh, Saturday on my calendar, I have an alert that comes up about budgeting and, and looking at our budget, and it comes up every Saturday as an alert, and I haven't looked at our budget for probably two years,
1: <laughs>
0: because for me, I know how money triggers me be based on my past, and I've intentionally just passed that off to, to my wife and said, hey, you spend the money. I'll continue to try to make as much as I can and, and you spend it. I And I don't even want to know. And that's probably not very healthy. You tell me, is that, is that healthy?
1: I, I think it's a good thing that you're recognizing it probably isn't, <laughs> um, <laughs> but let's use a really important word uh, triggered. Right. Yeah. And it's a word that I think it's, it's heard so often just generally, but we forget the original context is around trauma Mm-hmm. like it triggers a trauma response one thing that's been severely understudied but it's still a huge problem is financial trauma mm-hmm. and so you talked about like growing up in poverty and how closely stress like money equals stress yeah like that's a belief that has been instilled that you're probably from a pretty young age like you saw and by the way you don't financial trauma isn't just growing up in poverty. Even more affluent people can have financial traumas. Uh, One example might be, I was neglected because my parents were always seeking money, Hmm. or I saw my parents fight about money all the time, and it caused a lot of contention in our home. These things do leave like a long time impact. And if we're not One, if we're not aware of it, but two, if we're not trying to work through it, yeah, we can do a lot of things just like what you said. Like it can lead to avoidance. It can lead to kind of some problematic behaviors when it comes to like overspending or more impulsive decisions, you know, trauma runs the gambit of symptoms, but I guess one, I just want to say like your experience is very real Mm -hmm. and there's a hell of a lot more people dealing with it than we talk about.
0: Yeah, I I often tell people that my podcasts are a scam just to get free help. And uh, (laughs) so I don't want to turn this into a therapy session, Uh, but I know we're going to discuss some things. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, We are going to discuss some things that I think uh, can help some people today. And I I, I like that you, you brought up that financial trauma looks different and it's not just growing up in poverty there's probably financial trauma involved in every socioeconomic class, right? And uh, I remember in, in meeting with Kara in a previous podcast about money and financial therapy, she challenged me to think about my earliest memory of money, right? And that really at least initiates how you think about money. And, you know, for me, it was about, you know, stress, right? It's all it all about stress and never having enough. And, and I think also, it involved uh, a certain level of shame as well. and shame is a powerful emotion, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, I learned early on that at least the message that I told myself early on was that if I didn't have certain things, I was less. I think that's kind of where that that financial trauma comes from. So then the question becomes how do people like me or people in general who struggle with money and their relationship with money can be healthier, what can they do? Our emotions are highly connected with our money.
1: And so the more things that we can do to get in touch with our emotions around money and respond to those different emotions a little differently can greatly influence how we experience it. So one thing that I encourage my clients to do is starting a mindfulness practice before any type of financial situation. So it it might start out with something like a, a five, four, three, two, one. Uh, I don't know if your listeners are familiar with that, but just going through each of your senses, I'm like what am I seeing? What sounds right here? What smells? Can I smell? Are there tastes in my mouth? Is there a texture I can touch? Trauma affects our psyche in a way that disconnects us from our bodies. Mm-hmm. So one of the best things we can do is reintegrate with our bodies, and getting in touch with our senses is a good way to do that.
0: Yeah.
1: Now. Taking something like the 54321 or taking something like, you know, a, a mindfulness activity and then doing it every time you go to the grocery store or every time you're about to make a purchase online or, you know, when you're looking at your budget monthly, starting to reintegrate, I am allowed and I am safe in my body as I'm working on finance. Maybe for a long time, finances represented a big, scary thing, a stressor. Mm -hmm. uh, It can absolutely trigger our fight or flight responses. And I can make choices to stay in my body to continue to take the next brave step. Mm -hmm. Um, So some kind of emotion regulation treatment (laughs) um, in conjunction with money can be huge.
0: Yeah, that's really helpful. Nate, when you get a new client, what are some of the first things that you do with them just to get a better sense of of what's going on?
1: One of them is definitely uh, what I just mentioned, like what is their ability to tolerate certain emotions, mm-hmm. and what are the emotions most present with money. That I think helps me kind of respond a little differently, and also it helps them start to identify, ah, when I'm feeling x or feeling fear or shame or sadness or anger whatever it is there are certain things i can do to regulate uh other things is what Kara mentioned previously which is where where did my money story come from Mm. a really good question is yeah what messages around money did i get explicitly from my parents and what did i kind of just see them do yeah Um, there's also you know wider systems of influence You know, did did I grow up in poverty? What was my social class? Uh, What were my peers like? How did they respond around money? How, if you are in a significant relationship, right? um, What does my partner, you know, feel experience around Mm -hmm. money? If they don't have the same trauma responses or maybe they do, how are they impacting how I experience money and how is my experience of money impacting our relationship? There's a whole lot of different assessment points, but those are the types of questions that would help me kind of figure out where the, where's the pain? Like, where do we need to start? And we'll probably end up in each of those conversations eventually.
0: We're in an interesting time in our economy right now because, you know, we went through or didn't go through every session and now we are going through or not going through inflation or vice versa. I think I got those mixed up, but <laughs> that's why I need you. So people's, people are paying attention to money right now. They're paying attention to their own money. They're paying attention to the 401ks because they're seeing 401ks drop dramatically. They're asking themselves if so they should invest in Bitcoin. And every week there's a different answer because it goes up and down. And you know what are you seeing right now with people in their relationship with money?
1: A lot more fear, a lot mm. more anxiety, and it's it's interesting because the traumas that we have most of the time aren't also being played out on a massive scale. You know, for example, when you when you look at like child abuse or something really traumatic event, yeah, um, it's not like that builds up and down with markets, yeah. Right? It's a relatively consistent thing. I'm guessing that that doesn't like every eight years, just like a recession. Everyone is going to experience
0: a lot more child abuse. Well, a lot of times with trauma, you know, it's not like this all the time, but a lot of times with trauma, it's just, it's one event, right? Mm -hmm. And that that one event, so it's significant that you're working the rest of your life to recover from that one event or that one type of event, you know, even, even if it lasted for a period of time, and you're talking about money as being a constant up and down and almost like a roller coaster.
1: Mm-hmm. It Money has a huge, huge impact. That's why I think it's cool and important that it's part of your model is, honestly, money is synonymous, uh, or at least it can be, with those safety, with mm-hmm. our very basic needs. Mm-hmm. Like How we get our basic needs met often is through money. And so, of course, it's going to pull on some of our most basic pieces of survival. It's going to, it's very easy to have a meaning-making process with money. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that meaning-making process can, especially if we've gone through some stuff, can be really difficult.
0: Yeah. So you said one of the big things that you're seeing right now is fear from people. And how does that? turn into a unhealthy behavior or a maladaptive behavior this fear
1: well it it depends so people can experience the same situation and respond differently to the Mm -hmm. same emotion so for some people that fear is leading them to i don't want to say hoard but Mm -hmm. really like every dime that leaves their pocketbook is extremely emotionally distressing yeah Um, And there are certain people, and that's how they respond to the fear is okay, I gotta, you know, I gotta suck it all in and make sure that I'm extra penny pincher, which is on its own isn't necessarily bad, but it's the distress that's the problem. Yeah,
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: Um, But I also see people that kind of get in a, you know, screw it mode and they start. (laughs) You know, they're like, well, I you know, I have the money now. I'm going to spend it now because I'm I might not have it tomorrow.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And they're they're yeah, they're behaving almost opposite,
0: but it's still coming from the same place. Yeah, this view of money, these emotions of money, lead to these problematic behaviors, right? And so, when you when you work with people, what is the goal? You know, that's always the magic question is, is how, how do you know you've made progress or how do you know that this intervention worked? And so what do you use as your measure for that?
1: Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a couple of different assessments out there for any clinicians listening, like the Klontz Money Script Inventory is one that measures uh, beliefs around money. I mean, you can do general anxiety, you know, scales, things like that the end goal is to change how we think, feel, and behave. Mm -hmm. And so are people experiencing money differently? Like, are they feeling less stress? Are they feeling more hopeful? Are they talking to their partners? Are they feeling like they have a team? Are they saving more? Are they spending less? Are they less of an impulsive shopper? Like, those are some of the measurements, but that it kind of just depends on what people are seeking help for, I guess. Yeah, yeah,
0: that makes sense.
1: I'm very excited for what financial therapy is doing, but I mean, the financial therapy association are kind of professional organizations only been around since 2008. Um, It's relatively young for a field. And yet we've had, you know, we've had sex therapy for 50, 60 years because we know that sex and relationships are very important to study, but only now are we starting to wise up to finances. So I'm hoping that things accelerate that yeah. this is a conversation we can have more openly.
0: Yeah, well, sex is probably more fun to talk about than money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> maybe this, and maybe this podcast will help. You know, I'm a big fan of the neurosequential model of Dr. Bruce Perry. I don't know if you've heard of that, but uh-huh. I was thinking about that when you're talking about working with financial planners, because essentially the neurosequential model says that in order to get information to the cortex. People have to be regulated and they have to have some level of connection and relationship with the person that they're uh, interacting with. And Mm -hmm. I would imagine financial planning is a very cortex-heavy task, right? Because you're you're talking to people and you're asking them to make decisions where there's a lot of logic involved. Mm -hmm. But before you tap into that cortex and before you ask your clients to make logical decisions, it's probably really helpful for them to be regulated, right, and have some level of connection with their financial planner because they're making some dis- some pretty big decisions and uh, that involves sometimes some pretty high dollar amounts. And so, and I hope that does get a lot of attention within the financial planning arena because we are working with people and we're working with people on some very important issues that can affect the rest of their life. And so, I hope it. I uh, hope it gets some attention. Helpful too. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're close to being done here, but if you, you know, think about all your bag of tricks and uh, how you help people. And I know a lot of times in different fields, they're just like really quick and uh, effective things that people can do that make a big difference. And so I know everyone has different issues and different relationships with, with money, but are there kind of quick and easy things that people can do as it relates to money that makes a big difference?
1: Yeah, I uh one I think we already went over the 54321 is every time you notice you're engaging with money somehow, whether it's a financial, you know, a day-to-day financial choice or one of those big macro, like, you know, buying a house kind of things, like wherever you're at, see if you can get in touch with what are my emotions and what are those emotions telling me my needs are. If you can figure that out. Uh, the money, it's its not going to be perfect, but it's probably going to be a little easier to approach money. Yeah. The other big thing that I highly in support of is a lot of people think that when they don't succeed with money, there's some kind of self-discipline issue where it's like, I'm, I'm just not disciplined to stay in, in my budget or there's something wrong with me. There's definitely can go back into that shame narrative. Self-discipline is a limited resource, is my experience. Hmm. If we are being disciplined in every area of your life, it's like a bank account that you're withdrawing too much. We have to learn to prioritize. Certain things require our brain space and certain things don't. When it comes to financial choices, people are like, well, I, if I just stay in my budget, then then I'll be able to save or whatever it is. Automate your savings.
0: Hmm. That's a good if one. You're,
1: if you're trying to save up for a goal, of any kind, pick a number, right? Like, I want to, and it doesn't have to be big. It can be, you know, 20 bucks a week. It can be 20 bucks a month. I don't care. Mm-hmm. But um, automate it. Make it so you don't have to think about it at all. Um, It's really easy. If you have a, a bank, any kind of checking account, Or savings account, it's really easy to make another one most of the time. You don't even have to talk to anybody and just have an automatic $20 or pick your number, you know, but that goes towards the savings. That way you don't have to think about it. It's not taking up any of your brain space. And, you know, after a year, let's say you're doing $50 in a year, that's what $600. And, And that's more than most have in their savings account. So I I think small things like that can make a huge difference, especially if it's built up over time.
0: Yeah. Nate, you've given us a lot to think about and some free advice. So I thank you for the free advice, both for our listeners and also for myself. How can people find out more about you and what you do and some of your resources?
1: I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. So just searching for Nathan Astle. My businesses. I have a private practice called Relational Money, which has different podcasts and, you know, resources that I have available on there. Uh, and then I am starting a new uh, business, the Financial Therapy Clinical Institute, hmm. where financial therapists, financial planners and financial counselors work together as a kind of a collaborative treatment team approach. So, you know, we're, we're all talking together and we're all, you know, working towards that the end goal of financial health. So I'm excited about both, but yeah, feel free to reach out. I'm, I don't bite. any questions <laughs> that you have. I'm happy to help wherever I
0: can. Yeah, well, thanks for spending the time with us. You're helping a lot of people and keep up the good work. Awesome. Thanks so much, Jamie. You have just listened to the All In Your Head podcast. Learn more by following Jamie Glick on LinkedIn or by subscribing to the Mental Health Training Camp YouTube channel. If you are experiencing a mental health crisis, You can call now or text 988 to get connected to free confidential support. Thanks for listening.